Welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carrie is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carrie is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please welcome your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Functional Medicine Radio Show, the only Internet radio show dedicated to giving you real solutions to improve your health. Not only are they real solutions, but they're natural solutions as well, because as you know, the one and only true wealth you have is health. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc, and I'm committed to helping you find the root cause of your health problem, fix the cause with natural treatments, so you can feel normal again and live your life to the fullest. I'm so very excited about today's show because I have Dr. Corey Schuler back in the hot seat. Now, Dr. Schuler is the Director of Clinical Affairs for Integrative Therapeutics. He is a certified nutrition specialist, licensed nutritionist, chiropractic physician, board certified in clinical nutrition, and fellow of the American Association of Integrative Medicine. He also has earned degrees in nursing and phytotherapeutics. He has a private integrative medicine practice in Hudson, Wisconsin. Dr. Schuler, thank you so much for being back again. Thanks. <laughs> no, thanks, thanks, thank you. I was just sort of like scribbling down like your book title and, and where I can get it, so uh, that's where I was a little off, so I apologize. <laughs> oh, no problem. So um, you had uh, graciously agreed to come back for a part two interview, and uh, in our last interview, we had kind of focused on SIBO and elemental diet, and we talked a little bit about headaches, but today I really wanted to get more in depth about headaches because you know what? I realized... I've never had a guest on to just simply talk about headaches and the root causes. Seems kind of silly. Well, it's a it's a real common problem, but uh, uh, you know, there's not a lot of people that just focus on headaches. It's just sort of usually part of uh, a person's practice, but it's usually part of everybody's practice. Yeah, and I know that you do have a practice that does focus on headaches, so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you back on the show. Yeah, and I, I appreciate that, um, and we do. Uh, when we assess for people's headaches and we look at you know, what's wrong with people, we kind of put on all of our hats. So you kind of mentioned in my bio, the first thing we do is we sort of do like a, a nursing intervention. We do a nursing head to toe. Like, is there something that somebody did somewhere along the way that might be putting this person in harm's way that we can save them from themselves? Um, and so that's like just reviewing their medications and kind of looking for fairly obvious things um, that could have happened that have just been missed. Um, and then things like dehydration, um, start getting into the nutrition ideas about, well, what are you deficient in anything? Are you excess in anything? And then we uh, put an overlay all that with our, our chiropractic examination for looking at structural things. So there's, um, there's a rare headache that we sort of miss the root cause to because we're kind of poking and prodding all the way through. Okay, so talking about medications, how often do you find that a medication is actually a headache trigger? Uh, like a ton of the time. I don't know <laughs> if there's a, a statistical word for ton, but um, it, it's, it, it's a lot. I mean, people don't realize all the other effects. So drugs have their effect on their target, right? They're aiming at something. Um, but there's all these consequences. We've seen the drug commercials on TV and the list of side effects. I think every time there's an oral medication, headache is a side effect. Like there's just no getting around it. So some of the more common ones are like 
blood pressure medications are common because too low blood pressure can cause dysregular um, you know, head uh, you know, vasodilation and you can get uh, blood sugar products or blood sugar uh, type drugs that cause headaches. Those are really common. Um, but so my uh, the nemesis in regards to medications that cause headaches are uh, are the diuretics. Um, so the blood pressure medications, the most common, the oldest blood pressure medications uh, commonly cause headaches, but they're these low-grade headaches that people just sort of think of as common everyday headaches, and they have them every day. So they often don't report them to their doctor, to us, anyone. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to talk about that, that I often find patients come in and they, you know, they rattle off their chief complaints and then somewhere along the line they say, oh yeah, like I just have my normal headache and they just have this low grade headache every day and they just think it's like normal for them. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Because that's not okay. Yeah. So I'll tell you that one and then I'll tell you a quick story because I love these sort of cases. It really solidifies what what it's like. Um, So the everyday headache, I mean, so I had a patient... Was it two days ago? I believe it was two days ago. And he wakes up every morning. He's he's six feet tall. He's slender, like a well-muscled guy. He has a, a kind of a, a sedentary job, but he's an active individual. Um, looks in normal health, sounds in normal health, everything. But he wakes up every day with a like a pinch of a headache. Like he knows it's going to come. And around eleven or twelve o'clock, it becomes a full-blown headache where he has to medicate. And he uses ibuprofen as his medication of choice. Luckily, it's a low dose. And then that head lasts the rest of the day. And he's like, so, yeah, I have that. And I was like, that's not normal. That's not okay. Um, and when we started diving into things, we found out that the, the guy was uh, dehydrated. He was dehydrated for a variety of reasons. But um, it didn't help matters any that the ibuprofen was probably causing some of the rebound headache. He'd sort of gotten himself into a cycle and any neurologist that you talk to or, or pain management specialist, chiropractor, naturopath is going to be able to report that, yeah, ibuprofen taken long term not only has digestive consequences and cardiovascular consequences, but can really cause rebound type pain. Are there other um, headache medications like of the painkiller variety that also trigger these rebound headaches, like apart from the ibuprofen? Yeah, I mean, so ibuprofen, naproxen, um, aspirin, Tylenol, probably not so much, but Tylenol takes its turn on the liver. So um, there's really, there's no, there's no safe um, over-the-counter medicate, pain medication in that regard, in my opinion. There's, yeah, there's always the potential for rebound headaches. Yes. Okay, so with dehydration, because I think A lot of people know they should be drinking water and they should be hydrating, but that doesn't necessarily mean they are. So what are some of the signs or symptoms other than these kind of low-grade headaches that make you think of, oh, I I think this patient might be dehydrated? Um, I just start asking about other systems. So, right, there's a lot of, there's a few systems in the body that are very water dependent. Uh, the, the bowels are, are very water dependent because that's how we, we have motility. That's how we move things through. So, yep, it all comes back to digestion. Uh, the liver is very water uh, needy. Um, and then the brain is very water needy. And then just actual muscle tissue. Um, I have a patient who I saw yesterday who has very severe headaches. She has, when she says she has an 8 out of 10 um, pain uh, in her headache, that means she's doing pretty good. 
Like that means she's happy and satisfied. And she's had these headaches for 25, 30 years. And uh, she's been to Mayo Clinic. She's been to all these different medical specialists. And uh, we're the only ones that seem to get her sort of minor relief. When it, And we use manual medicine. We're not even doing supplementation and changing her food. And we're just doing manual work. And we can kind of take that off by 10 to, to 20%. But what I'm where I'm going with this is that her tissues, I can tell basically exactly how much water she's had over the course of the last two or three days based on how that feels. So the muscles are, you know, very uh, water sensitive as well. So the questions I ask based on that knowledge is, how are you pooping? Um, do you have kind of that pain or, or sort of a, a weird feeling on the bottom side, right side of that rib cage? That's where the liver sits. Um, do you feel like tight and tense and you can't stretch? Uh, do you have joint pain? Um, and then do you have like brain fog? Does it get to a point in the day where you're just sort of foggy and fuzzy and then that goes away if you have anything to eat or drink? And those that's a nice constellation of saying, oh, buckets, we, we better get working on this. And the other thing is just, uh, I never drink water. I hate drinking water. I don't like water for breakfast. I can't drink water at night because it makes me pee in the middle of the night. Um, those tend to be good clues, too, that we need to up the water intake. Fantastic. Okay, so let's transition and talk a little bit about blood sugar because I know that that can also trigger headaches as well. Yeah, so here's my good blood sugar story. Um, this is the one I wanted to tell you. I had a woman who's 35 years old, um, 5'9", 140, 50 pounds, um, so she's not overweight, not underweight, she looks and sounds healthy, and that's a big problem um, oftentimes when you're going to see medical practitioners because they don't give you as much attention when you look good when you look healthy. So this was her her challenge. For the last couple of years, she's had absolutely debilitating migraine headaches for the last, you know, for every maybe 17, 17 to 20 headaches a day, uh, or not a day, 17 to 20 headaches a month. Um, so almost every day, not quite. She gets by with a few non-headache days. And uh, she has a seven-year-old son. And at Ever since she had the the son, she's had these problems. So usually, when I hear that story, I think, "Uh oh, this is an immunologic problem. This could be a postpartum thyroid problem." Um, I'm kind of going down that path. We went down that path, and we discovered that indeed she did have hormone problems. I'm getting to the blood sugar problem. I promise. Um, we had she had very very high estradiol or estrogen levels. She had very very low progesterone levels. So the progesterone is like a a, has a calming effect on blood vessels, and she just didn't have very much of it at all. So her blood vessels were like tight and, and taut. Um, she had very high testosterone, so now you know exactly where this is going. And she had very low cortisol all day long. And so um, I'm working with her and a nurse practitioner, and we're working in tandem. It's a really nice team that, that she's getting uh, the best of both worlds, in my opinion. And she said that we gave our report of findings very uh, this, you know differently independently and said we think you have undiagnosed polycystic ovarian syndrome you have blood sugar dysregulation or insulin resistance that caused all these hormone problems so we're going you know back up higher on that cascade or, or more root cause and uh, so we need to fix the blood sugar regulation part to fix your hormones and 
we're going to test your blood sugar six times a day for the next two weeks or at least one week and I bet what we'll find, this is our both of our predictions, that when your blood sugar is super low, you're going to have awful, awful headaches. That's when the headaches are their worst. So she did that. She tracked all of her, her, her blood sugars. She did a glucometer in the morning and right away when she woke up and then she did it 30 minutes before she ate the rest of her meals two hours after she ate and so we did basically an oral glucose tolerance test uh, three times a day and we found that when she had her worst headaches like she just couldn't function couldn't do anything couldn't take care of her son couldn't do her business her blood sugar was running around 65 to 70 which isn't really a hypoglycemic effect but it's low for her the rest of the time when she felt good, she was right around 95. And so this is sort of an, a variant, but a, a kind of close to a textbook case of insulin resistance causing um, bad headaches. And it just means that she has so much insulin in her body kind of ready and poised to be released that anytime she has any carbohydrates or sugar, it releases it in huge amounts. And so she gets, in her case, functionally hypoglycemic and gets a headache. And I bet you had a big smile on your face because oh, I felt like a hero <laughs> <laughs> because you knew like I can re- I can help this patient. Yeah, I mean I, this is a you know this is walk in the park, and so I prescribed my regimen, and the nurse practitioner who's very naturally inclined as well wrote her prescription out, and we just compared them, and we had this like literally the same thing. I was like progesterone cream is going to be necessary or progesterone pills. I I like the cream a little bit better in her case. Um, I want berberine, hydrochloride three times a day. Both of us had that on the list. Um, Vitex was on the list to help with progesterone levels and uh, some things to raise cortisol levels in the morning like licorice and, uh, and some B vitamins. And so it was like everything was exactly the same. The one thing I think that I wanted that didn't get on the, didn't get on her list was I thought that some zinc would probably be useful because zinc is important in insulin metabolism, but whatever. <laughs> but whatever. <There's>, yeah. <laughs> you're funny. Um, th- this is so awesome because you're helping our listeners really understand that headaches can be multifactorial. There's many different causes. So, so far we've kind of covered medication as causes, dehydration, hormones, blood sugar. And let's next get into like the structural physical aspect as well. Sure. Well, we, you know, my business partner and I are both chiropractors and we said, if we're going to have a a chiropractic structural type practice, what are we going to work on? Low back pain tends to have the most evidence for it, but really, you know, we have all this other information, what, what's sort of a a good complex issue that we want to tackle. And so we started working on headaches and ended up being that we got good at it. So we just, that's all we focused on. Um, what we found out kind of coming through that is that a, a migraine headache or what people refer to as a migraine headache is only useful or helped by spinal manipulative therapy or, or manual therapy um, in about 15% of cases. It's not a very high success rate. So migraineurs um, will often go to a, a chiropractor, but um, when you look at the kind of the whole picture, it's it's not a high success rate um, of redu- re- reducing the symptomatology. Usually they can sort of what we call break the headache or take the edge off, um, but it doesn't change the intensity, frequency, or duration of the migraine headache over the course of time, even on even with regular um, treatment, which is sort of sad news. Now, for those 15% of cases, it's it's 
it's everything. So I'm not dismissing it. I'm not saying don't go if it's working for you. But if it's not working for you, you don't need to you know plug that same uh, plug that same hole every time. So it was very interesting. It, it, our, our chiropractic practice quickly turned into a nutritionally oriented, you know, functional medicine practice because we had to look for other causes. Now there, that's migraine headaches. There's the cervicogenic headache, which is probably what you're referring to is just the, that neck caused headache, right? And with all the sitting at computers and texting and Pokemon go, like we have a fair amount of just structural problems. And so retraining the way the head moves and the way that the body's oriented within, um, you know, space can be very useful for headaches, and uh, not to mention the uh, the closely related cousin to that uh, uh, neck pain and structural headache problem is uh, is eye strain headache. So we refer probably one patient a day to an optometrist uh, just to have people's eyes checked. We had one young gal who was I don't know she was thirteen or fourteen at the time. She kept falling down the stairs and she had these headaches, and so we, you know good chiropractors were thinking this is an injury she's you know messed up her neck by falling down the stairs but in fact her eyes were bad so she would miss the steps and the headaches that she would get on a routine basis were from improper acuity so she got glasses never fell fell down the steps again and and didn't have any real headaches to speak of after that wow who would have thought that something like that (laughs) that's why they call it (laughs) practice right yeah yeah Wow. We, keep, we keep looking and figuring it out, but those are good. Those are fun stories. We like those. Okay, so for the listeners out there, I know that you're getting a really good idea of how thorough a doctor needs to be when they're assessing you for headaches. Just like Dr. Schuler is telling us, there's many different causes. We've got to take this kind of multi-pronged approach to like really do that detective work and and find out where is it really coming from. So let's talk a little bit about migraines now because, uh, you know, I know a lot of patients come to see you with migraines. A lot of patients come to see me with migraines. And there's certain um, triggers, common triggers for migraine and then not so common triggers too. So can you kind of talk about that? Sure. So the common migraine triggers um, conventionally, so even uh, – Migraineurs who've been to conventional neurologists, they'll be told about um, foods like chocolate and caffeine and tomatoes that might be um, trigger common trigger foods for headaches. Uh, I found that to be uh, sort of useful. Like I'm glad they did that because it gets them in the mindset that maybe a food is causing a problem. Yes. I go a lot deeper than that. You do too, right? Yeah, well, let's, yes. So we, we do the elimination diet or, or we'll go the full distance and do an elemental diet, but we'll strip away the foods that we really think are, are causing everything. So we take people down to very minimal foods and reintroduce foods to make sure that we can identify which, which is causing which. Just normal, good scientific method because it's like test, hypothesize, test, and, and retest and assess and um, and then come to some conclusions. And I'll jump to the conclusions. I find that many migraineurs are, have problems with things like um, dairy and gluten and corn. And if I could say those are the three biggest giant food groups, and they are pretty giant given our food supply, those would be what I would uh, jump to now soy and, and nuts and seeds and some other things are, are probably problematic eggs in a few cases um, and then potato in some strange cases 
And of course, you can be sensitive or allergic to anything you want. So there's all those other options too. But if I had to group them into big categories, that's where I would go. And the interesting part for me about dairy is not just necessarily the immunologic component or the sensitivity to it, but just the uh, the thickening of mucus. And so there's a another topic that we can talk about here is the relationship between sinus pressure, allergic rhinitis, um, you know, hay fever, and headaches. Um, I would probably say about three or four times a week we have a patient come in that say they say they have a headache when it's actually just sinus pain. Mm-hmm. Or they get these chronic sinus headaches. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, they don't really realize how that can be related to the food that they're eating or just their gut health either. Right. All of the above. You know, histamine is, is pretty um, ubiquitous in both systems. And so histamine causing foods. Um, we have patients who kind of lean towards the paleo diet. And so they want to do bone broth and that's good. But sometimes cooking bone broth for too long is a, is a high histamine, becomes a high histamine food. And now they have reactions to that when it's supposed to be good for them. And so we kind of have to unwind people's... <laughs> they. We have to unwind what the therapeutics that people want to have. Yeah, because they think like doing the paleo diet. What you want to work for you. Yeah. They yeah, think, right. They think the paleo diet, everybody's talking about it. It's got to be healthy. It's got to work for me. But why do I do it and I feel worse? <laughs> yeah. And so those are good. We like those things. Not that they're feeling worse, but they're great information. Um, we have people that say, you know, I try to up my fiber, and every time I up my fiber, because it's good for me, when I get into the recommended range of like 30 grams of fiber a day, I feel awful and I have a way worse headache. Well, you and I both immediately think, well, maybe you're just feeding the wrong bacteria in that gut, and so now you have more of a, a, a gut type headache, and that's completely possible, and uh, so a high fiber diet is probably not right for you. Okay, so then the next question that I have is about um, people that seem to have a family history of migraines and headaches. Like they have the headaches, their brother has the headaches, their mom has the headaches, aunts and uncles have headaches. What does that clue you into when you see like, oh, there's not just this patient, but there seems to be a family history of migraines as well? Sure. We're really kind of just on the cusp of exploring this. Uh, we have a lot of information, but we're not necessarily making good use of it or not being able to tie it all together. And it probably is because that, you know, migraine or headaches or it's just such a, a non-specific problem. Um, it's not like it's it's not like it's uh, something with a very specific diagnosis. Your diabetes, right? You Diabetes, you either have it or you don't. Um, there is a spectrum, of course, but you either have it or you don't. Headaches are, are weird because you can have a headache, but it's a different headache than, than what your mom had or what your aunt had. And so tying these genetic markers to um, headaches has been a little bit difficult, but we're finding some things about, especially in the methylation um, pathways, Things like an, an underactive COMT um, can be problematic for migra- migraine headaches. And what that means is that those people don't handle methyl donors very well. And so this really matters mostly for supplementation peoples. They're doing um, active B vitamins like um, 5-methyltetrahydrofolate or they're doing methylcobalamin as B12 instead of just um, hydroxy or adenosylcobalamin, um, those people don't handle methylated Bs very well, and so they get kind of, they get not so good. Now, methylated Bs are, are good for a, a lot of different people, 
just not necessarily for those. And so we're, that's one little tiny snippet of information that we're, we're paying attention to, but oftentimes we won't even run the genetic markers. We'll just estimate that, hey, maybe that's a problem. Let's switch you over from a methylated or an active B complex to a, a normal <laughs> B complex and see if that changes anything. And that trial of therapy is often uh, enough information to help the person. Now, Dr. Schuler, we're starting to roll, run low on time here. Is there anything else about headaches that we haven't talked about that um, you think is important for our listeners to know? Yeah, I mean, the, so what I like to do, food is obviously a big deal. We talked a lot about avoiding the wrong foods. Um, we didn't talk about a lot about the right foods because that can be personal for everyone. But supplementation um, is kind of interesting. And I'll just run through a, a handful of things that I use routinely just so people have heard of it. So if their doctor says, hey, this is right for you, they won't be, uh, you know, it'll be co- comfortable for them. They'll hear it, have heard it a second time. Um, one of those is riboflavin, which is a common B vitamin. And uh, riboflavin has helped individuals with migraine headaches at a very high dose of 400 milligrams. The nice thing about riboflavin is it's water soluble, and so you don't have to worry about it being injurious to you. You're not, even though it's a high dose, you're not going to hurt yourself in most cases with just a, a simple uh, individual B vitamin like that. Um, and if it reduces your headaches and improves your quality of life, it's probably worth it. Um, another one that's really effective that's now sold as a supplement is um, something called purple butterbur or, or butterbur. Um, this has to be in a supplement because butterbur is actually poisonous to people. So during this, in the supplementation uh, creation or the processing, they take out something called PAs, which are pyrolidized alkaloids. And so these PAs are the poisonous part of butterbur. They can take those out. And then non-PA butterbur is actually very, very useful for migraine headaches. And it's been the uh, subject of many, many studies now at about 150 milligrams a day. And then the last piece of it that I alluded to is that let's take a look at, you know, does an antihistamine help you? If a a drug antihistamine helps you or a formula designed to be an antihistamine that's natural helps you, then let's kind of go down that path. So don't forget about the histamine and the allergy responses to your headaches because that is a very powerful um, issue. And then very last thing, and I swear it's the last thing, is simple, boring, old magnesium. Magnesium is uh, is probably one of the most helpful cheapest, uh, easiest to get things to help with headaches. And I dose magnesium very aggressively in many cases up to what I call bowel tolerance If because uh, magnesium will always cause loose stools if you have too much of it. So we titrate up, we go up as high as we can. And then once you have loose stools with magnesium, we back down a bit um, so that you don't have that. And uh, we'll use that for several weeks at a time to see if that can improve a headache as well. And very inexpensive, very accessible. So those are the the hot points that I wanted to make sure that people have access to if their doctor brings them up. Those are all good ideas. That's so funny that you say plain old boring magnesium. (laughs) It just needs needs better public relations, I think. You know, all these other hot new herbs and stuff. And then we just have this, you know, mineral that is almost everywhere and... Uh, it needs better PR. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to share, share a story real fast for the listeners. Yeah. I once had a patient come in with a 21-day-long migraine, 
and she has three young kids and she had to stop working and I had to shut off all the lights in the office and she was in her pajamas and she had her sunglasses on and she was just miserable. So I said, uh, so her treatment was high dose magnesium, just like you said it, Dr. Schuler, aggressively to bowel tolerance until it causes diarrhea and the riboflavin. And then I think for that patient, I also added in vitamin C and I saw her I saw her the next day, but overnight she had sent me an email and said, oh my gosh, Dr. Carey, I'm feeling better. I looked at my emails the next morning. She said, I woke up and I actually don't have a headache and I can't believe it. And I was, you know, going back to that plain old magnesium, it can have a powerful, powerful effect. And it's so simple. Yeah, that's a great story. Dr. Schuler, how can listeners find out more about you? Um, I'm available on, I, I like to be on my Facebook page. If you uh, aren't there already, it's just Corey Schuler, And uh, you can reach me at HudsonHeadache.com. That's our headache clinic. And we're the clinic that always has the lights off because everybody has headaches. So <laughs> uh, HudsonHeadache.com or just in Facebook, Corey Schuler. Dr. Schuler, thank you so much for being my special guest today. Again, this has just been an awesome interview. Thanks for having me, Carrie. I really appreciate it. All right, that wraps up this very special episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show with Dr. Corey Schuler. And I want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in today. And I'd like to invite you back next week for another episode of the Functional Medicine Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, the Functional Medicine Doc. Have a great week, everyone. You've been listening to the Functional Medicine Radio Show with your host, Dr. Carrie Drizga, known internationally as the Functional Medicine Doc. Dr. Carey is committed to helping patients find the root cause of their health problems and fixing the cause with natural treatments so they can feel normal again. Dr. Carey is the founder of Functional Medicine Ontario and is the author of the hit book, Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again. Please tell your friends about the Functional Medicine Radio Show, and we'll see you next week with more from Dr. Carey.